Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFAX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. My pleasure to have on the phone Brent Alcock from the Stewart Group. How are you going, Brent? I'm pretty good, Ken. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good. All the better for talking with you, that's for sure. Now, just before we get into today's topic, which is about bonds, among other things, I'd just like you to remind our customers or our listeners, if you would, Brent, uh, what the Stewart Group is all about. Sure, absolutely. Look, uh, Stewart Group is a fee-based financial advice provider, and what we aim to do is strive to provide quality, unbiased, evidence-based uh, advice around your investments and your long-term financial needs. Now, I suppose most people, when they hear the word financial advisor, they think, oh, you're only there for the rich and the famous, but that's not the case, is it? No, it's not. And the second thing that happens quite often is people's eyes glaze over. Yeah. <laughs> to talk about anything in that field, it's all, it's all a bit difficult, but definitely not. You know, those that need it, we all need advice. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if you think from a medical perspective or an accountancy perspective or a taxation perspective, everybody's wanting advice. But it's about getting unbiased advice where it's not linked to a particular solution. You know, where, you know, the doctor's not prescribing a, a moxel because he's getting a, a, a kickback yeah. from the providers of the moxel. So sure. that's where it's so important to look for fee based advice providers because uh, their interests are completely aligned. Okay, now one of the topics we're going to talk about today uh, is headed up why bonds are like ballast. Uh, Before we talk about that, just just explain again uh, for people who might be unfamiliar with bonds, what what is a bond? Well, a bond is an interest where um, a a company or a country or a corporation uh, needs some financing, needs some, some, some money. So they go to the market and they offer a bond or a fixed instrument fixed interest uh, instrument. And what it does is it says, look, if you give me an amount of your capital, maybe a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, I will guarantee to give you a certain coupon, a certain amount of money, say three percent, every year. Um, and that will be for the duration of the bond, which might be three years, five years, ten years. It's actually quite interesting. Today on Facebook popped up to me, uh, today is the 82nd anniversary of uh, acting Prime Minister Peter Fraser declaring war on Germany mm. after uh, the Anschluss and, and um, Soldatenland and then Hitler invaded, uh, invaded Poland. And the New Zealand government offered national savings bonds at 3% yeah. uh, in order to raise funds uh, to provide for that militarisation and, and, and the war effort. So 
A bond is an instrument where a government or a corporation raises money and guarantees to you, look, you can have this this uh, return on your investment, this fixed interest component uh, for the life of, of, of the bond, be it three, four, five, six, seven, eight years or so. Yeah. Who's most likely to do um, issue bonds these days? Do governments still do that or is it just private enterprise? No, absolutely, governments do it. Um, that's what this whole quantitative easing thing uh, after the... Uh, after the uh, 2007, 2008 correction mm. was, or great financial crisis. But also also companies, um, you know, companies that have infrastructure needs, or um, probably not a great example at the moment, but maybe DHL, and, yeah. you know, you've got a, a billion-dollar aircraft or a million-dollar aircraft, you just don't have a lazy couple of couple of million lying around, you might go out and raise bonds for that. Um, infrastructure, local governments as well, local governments, uh, my, my local government, Capity Coast, um, and I'm sure in the Hawke's Bay, yes. uh, to build infrastructure, electricity and things of that nature. Um, so a whole range, as well as, of course, you've got some private uh, private offerings in terms of the bond market as well um, there, yeah. I wonder if, um, if the government is uh, issuing a bond or a local government is issuing a bond, are they guaranteed or, because I think most people think of a bond and they think of shares, mm, maybe my money's not as safe with a bond or a share as it might be if I put it in the old post office, you know what I mean? Well, bonds still carry an element of risk. I mean, we've got to always bear in mind that the reward you get potentially is uh, in some way tethered to the risk that you're taking. So government bonds like uh, US treasuries, 30-year treasuries, they can't take the lowest amount of risk, so they provide the lowest amount of return. Yeah. Now, if we think of it in terms of, oh, let's, if I get a bit technical here, pull me back, Ken, because sure. oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't want the, the eyes popping over. But if you think of it like this, the Reserve Bank here in New Zealand sets the interest rate. The OC, OCR, the overnight cash rate, cash rate is about 25 basis points. Now, if you look on your credit card, on your statement, yep. you'll see that the bank is charging you 9% or maybe 12 or in some cases 20%. Mm-hmm. So they're perceiving that there is that level of risk. You know, they're borrowing money at 25 basis points, which is 0.25%. Yeah. So the difference between that and either what you're paying for your mortgage, which will be about 25 to 3%, because if you don't pay your mortgage, the bank can come and take the property off sure. you. Sure. So there's less risk in a mortgage. So they, they, they price that at, say, 25 But, hey, if you've got a credit card, you could go and max that out. You could spend it. You could do whatever you like. There's no security for them. So they're going to charge you 12% or 9% depending upon your credit rate. Um, so there is still risk, and that aligns also with bonds. There's still risk aligned with bonds depending upon the risk of the entity that's issuing them. Yeah. The US government versus New Zealand government versus Australian government versus Singapore Airlines, the New Zealand, uh, DHL, or whoever the, the bond issuer is. I read an article um, last week which uh, suggested that under COVID, uh, the share market's going gangbusters. Uh, and, and it's sort of, it's mind-boggling, really. But is that the same um, atmosphere for bonds as well? Are bonds, is, is COVID good for bonds and good for shares? And, and what, what would you put that down to? Oh, look, that's the $64,000 question. Um, 
you know, I, I, I remember again trying to predict things and trying to predict markets really is not the role of a financial advisor. <laughs> True. Um, uh, not that I'm saying that to disclaim yeah. anything, but I've got as much knowledge as you have. And I remember sitting in a, in a, in a classroom with a professor from MIT, uh, Bob Merton, a Nobel Prize winner. And, and, and this was in Singapore about two, three years ago. And he said, when Donald Trump was elected president of the United States, how many of you were nervous about markets and how many of you would have, would have gone to cash? So I put my hand up. I certainly put my hand up. I was yeah. very nervous. And he said, you've just cost your client 35%. Wow. Amazing. Uh, so we can't predict markets. But my logic is this, Ken. It's, look, I, I, I'm still eating. Yep. I'm still consuming. I'm still watching television. I might be consuming differently. I, I'm not paying for a holiday to go to, you know, Rarotonga or Australia. But I'm still consuming energy. I'm still having cups of coffee, maybe too many the odd glass of wine. So my consumption hasn't changed. Therefore, my demand, the demand for the goods and services is still there. And I think as humans, after the initial shock, we go, look, there's two ways this can go. It can, we can all, it can go to hell in a handbasket. Yep. And then we may as well all pack up and, you know, go to the Bahamas and have a great holiday. Or we'll adapt. And when we adapt then we'll learn to live with this. And when we learn to live with this, we'll resume as much as we can back to, we will revert back to a, a system of normality as it was with some alterations. So, you know, you can expect that equities in terms of those that are, are medicines and that provide vaccines or are, are in that area, that there'll be a great rush towards, uh, in terms of demand to buy those, yeah. uh, those types of equities. And markets adjust and human behaviour adjusts. So a bond, uh, a bond normally correlates, it, it, it moves a bit differently than an equity. And the reason that you have bonds in your portfolio is none of us know when the, when the market will go up or down. It will go up and it will go down. Yep. And it goes, it goes down 52% of the days in the year and it goes up 48 But no one can pick what those 10 best days and 10 right. worst days are. So... You build a portfolio with bonds because they, we say, negatively correlate. What that means is it's like marching. If you've got one arm going forward, the other arm's going backwards. So it yeah. reacts in a negative way to how an equity will. Um, and that just evens out your returns. That makes for plainer sailing, smoother sailing, less volatility. Now, when I was a boy growing up, which is many, many moons ago now... Um, there was a thing called blue chip shares or blue chip investments. Are there, yeah. still, are there still such things or is it called something different now but they're, they're still around or they're not around anymore? No, blue chips, absolutely. Blue chips still there. You know, quite often if you see on the television, people will talk about, say, the Dow, the Dow Industrial Index. Now, do you know how many stocks are in the Dow Industrial Index, Ken? No, I wouldn't have a clue. There's only 30. Really? So that one index is based upon the top 30 companies in the mm. United States. And they're all blue chip, all yep. of them. You know, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Alphabet, I think it's called, which is Google. Um, all of those companies, they're all blue chips. And what a blue chip is, is it means you're highly unlikely to lose uh, lose money on a blue chip. 
because it will pay a higher level of dividend um, as a percentage of its of its share price, and it has such you know market capitalization or it's it's cornered a part of the market. It's got a not a monopoly, but mm-hmm. it's got a pretty good hold that you're pretty safe and sound. But blue chips can uh, fail. Uh, World Exchange, Exxon, yeah, Xcom, and a couple have Barings Bank. Uh, there's certainly a couple of blue chips that have gone uh, gone belly up yep. and gone against the wall in, in tough times and through poor management too. On a, as a comparison, uh, someone who might be uh, a bit of a conservative investor, and you were suggesting, and I know uh, Stuart Group is all about uh, diversity, so you'd be saying, well, let's have a bit of everything. But if you were uh, keen on investing in uh, particularly one or the other, would you, would you suggest that people invest in the share market or the bond market? Is there one of those two markets which is not guaranteed to be safe? Because I know there's no such thing as a guarantee, but are you more likely to come out with your money back from a bond than the, what you might be for a share? Well, it does depend on the cycle of the market. Um, bonds can be risky, and we're in a very what we call low inflationary environment at the, at the moment. Well, at least it appears on the outside to be low inflationary environment. But you ask anybody who's looking to buy a, a property today, um, you know, the, the property I, I, I saw transact for two hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars in this area of the Kapiti Coast. 2016, that's five years ago, now mm. they're going for $1.43 million. Mm-hmm. That's an inflation. Yes, it is, isn't um, it? That's a, that's a big rise in inflation. And what you use to, to, to cover inflation or to dampen inflation is raising interest rates. So if you've invested in a bond today at today's interest rate, you might get 2 3%. But if interest rates rise, to say five or six percent, would you rather, Ken? Would you rather have a, a, a bond that's paying you two percent or a bond that's paying you six percent? Yeah, well, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? So therefore, that means that the face value, the hundred-dollar face value that you bought that two percent bond for, must drop to compensate for that six percent or the four percent differential, the higher. Mm. Bond. So the face value of that bond will drop from 100 to, say, uh, 96. So that the the two percent of 100 or two dollars is equivalent to the six percent that you'd get if you bought the new bond. So there is risk in bonds, most definitely, especially if you're in a low interest rate environment where the expectation is that interest rates will rise over time. Now, having said that. Um, Yet shares also, equities also hold their risk. So there's a couple of things you've got to really consider, and that's firstly your time frame, your time horizon. If, if you're going to go out, if you're trying to raise uh, capital, save money, say, for, for a house purchase, and that's going to be within the next one, two, or three years, I'd be saying, you know, keep your money safe. Yeah. yeah. The, the risk of losing say, 10 15% of your accumulated capital versus the joy of gaining 10 15% just doesn't cut the mustard as far as the emotional decision is concerned. No. But if you're thinking long-term, um, so my wife and I, we've, we've just recently set up our KiwiSavers. And, you know, I can't touch that till I'm 65, maybe the retirement age will go up, it'll be 67, yep. maybe. So it's good, you know, 20 years. So I'm not going to 
can't touch it. So I may as well take a little bit more risk or a more educated uh, portfolio of risk by diversifying across bonds, across property, and across equities, and sort of mix it together like a bit of a a Sarah Lee cake. We're all thinking a little bit during this COVID lockdown time, so pardon the analogy. Um, But um, you can mix it together, and you get a much more robust flavour um, from that in your investment uh, in your investment decision making, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I wonder, hindsight being twenty twenty. I mean, if I could wind the clock back and go back 20 years, I think I might invest in half a dozen houses. Uh, <laughs> if I'd gone back 20 years ago and I invested, say, a similar amount, let's say, let's pluck $200,000 out of the air that we're going to invest 20 years ago, I'm old school and I would think uh, you can't go wrong with bricks and mortar. Uh, if I'd gone back and bought shares and stocks and bonds, would I be better off in one or the other, or you just couldn't tell me? Um, I mean, I could give broad brush strokes, but uh, there's there's a couple of other factors to that, Ken, and a couple of other risk factors about bricks and mortar. Let, let me ask you this. I, I, what if, and I know that it, it's not, but what if a capital gains tax was introduced? Sure. Uh, what if, and by stealth you have one, you have a bright line test now that says 10 years. Yeah. Um, you can't deduct your interest. Now that's, yeah, that's okay if you're paying 1%, but what if interest rates went to 8 9%? Mm-hmm. Um, forget what they were 40 years ago, and it's interesting, I saw that ABBA has just released a yes. <laughs> new record. Can't wait to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 40 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, interest rates were 20 to 25 percent. Yes, I know. I paid 23 percent. So imagine if you'd gone and bought 20 houses, say you'd you'd borrowed, I don't know, $200,000, and every year you're paying $50,000 in interest, and you can't deduct that as an expense. So you've got a different type of risk, maybe. You've got a risk of governmental risk, and uh, they're in a pretty, pretty tough situation because if they open up supply, because it's a demand supply, they open up supply and open up land and start building houses, that'll drop the price of everybody else's house. Yeah. And everybody that owns a house votes. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. um, you know, if they keep the price buoyant, and it's interesting to note, you know, there are several p- people uh, who might have more than one property. Um, it's a bit of a political decision as well. But to go back to your, 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 your question... Um, it would also depend where you bought the property. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Granity on the West Coast, lovely place, Hokitika versus Dunedin versus, gosh, yeah. Wanaka. Um, <laughs> you had a bought a property in Wanaka like 70 years ago for 70 quid. Um, That's right. Or Auckland. Um, You'd be laughing. Versus what's the purpose of it? Is it yeah. to live in? So I think that there's some, some interesting equations. My answer would be in terms of Property, equities, and bonds. Yes, I'd have as many of all of them as you yep. possibly could. Sure. <laughs> now you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, in the uh, conversation that you put your hand up and you said if Donald Trump uh, got the job that uh, you would have cashed up. Is cash king still or not? I think cash buys you. Uh, I think cash buys you time, and it certainly buys you certainty. So if 
if I'm going to market, you know, either to, if I'm going to go and rent a property and I can show that I've got cash here, then I'm in a situation where the, the, the landlord is going to say, you're the man for the job. If I've got a 35% deposit saved, then the bank is going to say, hey, we think that your family is good savings regime. So cash affords you the opportunity to enter into the market at some stage. Yeah. Um, so it, it gives you some confidence and some comfort. Um, I'm not at all suggesting that everybody sells sells up and goes to cash, but if you are sitting on cash, it gives you the opportunity to enter into whatever market it is that you're looking to do so in a well-regimented, um, you can use a dollar-cost averaging type strategy and put a little bit in every every month or whatever it might be, according to what the purpose, the, the end result of what you're saving or investing for. And I think that's important to understand that there's only two things that you can do with money, Ken. You can either spend it or save it. Yep. And if you save it, the purpose of saving it is to spend it later on. Sure. Uh, unless you want to be the wealthiest person in the cemetery. That's right. Good on you, Brent. Come to the end of the program. Just remind us if we want any sound financial advice, where do we get it? Well, uh, I would firstly suggest um, looking for a fee-based um, financial advisory firm. And, of course, we'd always welcome the opportunity uh, to win uh, your confidence and to win your business and to become... Um, to become your trusted partner on the journey to financial security. Stuart Group. Good on you, Brent. My pleasure, as always. You look after yourself. I look forward to talking to you again sometime in the very near future. Look, you, thank you so much, Ken, for your time, and I hope that you have a, a great day and uh, a great quarter ahead. <laughs> Information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers. Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.